0: The
1: Physician's Road. Create your life in medicine, on your own terms. Today, we are on the path to wealth. Today, on The Physician's Road, we talk about wealth, what it is, and how it's been passed down by dynastic families in this country. Also, the difference between being rich versus being wealthy,
0: and finally, how to protect the assets that you've created. The Physician's Road is brought to you by Vernonville Asset Management. Vernonville Asset Management was created to help physicians build wealth and create income beyond Wall Street. Through our exclusive private investments, doctors can begin to free themselves from the burdensome regulations in healthcare by creating income streams independent of medicine. Go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get your free report, Wall Street's Biggest Lie. Again, go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get Wall Street's Biggest Lie and free yourself. Today,
1: welcome to the path to wealth. I'm Dr. Eric Tate, internal medicine physician, and founder of Vernonville Asset Management, a private investment firm that helps physicians and other busy professionals invest in private businesses and real estate. So, what is wealth? You'll get a million different answers from a million different people. But I think the Chris Rock joke sums it up perfectly. He said of the basketball player Shaquille O'Neal, when he was playing, Shaquille O'Neal is rich but the person who signed Shaquille O'Neal's checks is wealthy. And that is very true. If you think about who the owner of the Lakers were at the time of Shaquille O'Neal's playing days, it was Dr. Jerry Buss. And for those of you who know Dr. Buss and how he made his money, he's a, if I'm not mistaken, he's a chemist by trade PhD, but he made his money in buying apartments and in terms of real estate. And so that's how he was able to become wealthy enough to purchase the Los Angeles Lakers. And let's give you another modern day example of how true wealth actually operates within our country. In the late 19th century, there was a second generation immigrant who made his fortune trading stocks while using inside information, which at the time was not illegal. This man then went on to hold prominent positions within the U.S. government and became patriarch of a large American dynastic family whose members went on to fight and die nobly in World War II, become congressmen, senators, and even president of the United States. While having such prominent offspring is a testament to a life focused on public service, what's even more impressive is the fact that the fortune this one man amassed has only grown since his death. It now actively supports over 30 extended family members and gives them the financial wherewithal to continue to pursue these lives of public service. I'm sure you can guess that this is a story about the Kennedy family, but it illustrates an very important principle. By taking money he made early in his life, and transferring them to real assets that have generated income for himself and his family for generations, Joe Kennedy was able to create a family wealth dynasty that is lasting well into its fourth generation. With prudent use of asset protection and estate planning structures, he was able to create privacy and avoid massive taxation with a few simple techniques that anyone can employ. The joke in the United States is shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations, which means that as a nation of immigrants, The immigrant parent comes over, works very hard, sends their second generation child to school, maybe to become a doctor like us, and dentist, lawyer, those kinds of things. But by the third generation, that family oftentimes loses the money. But I argue this reality is because of poor financial literacy and a lack of financial education. So let's start with some very basic financial concepts that we like to use at at Vernonville Asset Management and build on them over time in subsequent podcasts. Now, mind you, these are our own definitions. And so if you go to a textbook or look around, you're probably not likely to find them, but that's okay. In the end, we create our own kind of vernacular and and language in and around our investing principles. And as long as they're taking you towards a strategy that you're trying to accomplish, that's all that really matters. And so one of the big concepts I like to talk about with uh, investors and residents and physicians that I speak to when when I'm out traveling is kind of being rich versus being wealthy, right? And so I, I gave you the Chris Rock joke about it, but there's a deeper level to that that I'd like to explore in terms of how we look at kind of rich versus wealthy. And so for us, having a high income, um, often from labor generated sources is in many ways how we typify the rich that we think about. And so if we think about athletes and entertainers, their income is often tied to a very specific profession or specific ability that they have. And so it's also tied to who they are in terms of uh, their labor and their ability to continue to provide value to other people uh, in the form of their labor. So we as physicians, even though we may not be, make the money that athletes make necessarily, uh, by American standards and by the average American, we are rich uh, on average, you make three to four times what the average American makes. And so we can be considered that because most of our income as, physicians physicians and and dentists and and professionals is derived from the service that we provide with our labor. Think about rich as high income, labor generated, often very specific to a profession, but if you stop working or lose the ability to still be in that profession, can you maintain the income levels of where you are? If we juxtapose that concept with the concept of being wealthy, that's The principle of wealth in terms of how we look at it is one where wealth in our mind should be self-replicating, meaning that you don't have to expend the same amount of effort on a continuous basis to continue to reap the benefits and rewards from having accumulated assets that create the wealth. And so you don't have to sell the asset to maintain your standard of living or your ability to spend. In this way, buying assets that create wealth or are self-replicating creates in many ways the ability to have financial freedom. That's one of the big reasons why we love investing in private businesses that generate income streams and real estate is that we know that we're gonna be getting tangible benefits from owning these particular assets. And it allows us to not be reliant solely upon our labor to live our lives and to maintain the lifestyle that we have created. And it's not an extravagant lifestyle. Uh, I always like to joke, you can be infinitely wealthy, and not be rich, and then there are some people who are fabulously rich, but will never be wealthy. And a lot of that is just about spending habits and actually what, where the money is coming from, and how it's being generated. And so this takes us now to the next concept of income versus capital gains. So the whole point is we're investing. We're out here in investing. We're investing for a reason. I like to say. And when I talk to our investors and potential investors and, and just you know students as I go around, people don't necessarily have a clear understanding of what it means to, to say that you're getting a return on an investment of some kind. Now, I'm not, we're not going to go deep into the weeds about ROI, uh, return on investment versus return on equity and all these different kinds of things. But what we want to do is just do a kind of a quick and basic dirty understanding of the two basic returns that are out there when you're investing. And that's income. And it's also capital gains. Ideally, you get both in an investment, but you've got to be clear on what ways that you are getting an inv- a return on the investment that you're putting out there. So I often ask it investors, um, when they say, well, I just want to make money. I'm always asking clarifying questions, meaning, well, what does that exactly mean to you? How, what do you mean you want to make money? What does that mean? The easiest way that I can break it down to categories is capital gains versus income. So let's just talk about capital gains for a minute and think about it in in easy context. Let's take it out of out of finance, let's just put it into day-to-day understanding. Um, many of us own homes, and so we look at over time that the price of our homes tends to go up. Now, you know, we had a small t- kind of blip in that in that standpoint during the economic downturn, but that was really the only time in U.S. history that real estate price had fallen across the nation in as many markets as it had. Uh, there's always fluctuations here and there, depending on which market that you're actually in. But as the price of your home increases, you get essentially what's a called a capital gain or an increase kind of in the equity that you have in in the property. But the thing about that capital gain is you can't really use it. I mean, you can, you can borrow against it if you wanted to, but that equity sitting there on your balance sheet isn't going to allow you to go buy groceries um, or kind of, if you have to stop working for some reason, allow you and get you through that process. So understand that the change in price or prices going up indicates a capital gain. Where you see this most often is in stocks, right? Many of us have 401ks, IRAs, those types of sheltered vehicles, those tax sheltered vehicles. And so the returns that you were seeing in your account statement are almost entirely based upon pricing or capital gains. And so if you're prices of the assets that you own are going up, then you're getting a capital gain. If they're going down, you're getting a capital loss. Uh, But unless you sell the asset, they're not realized. And so that's why many people give the theory that, well, yes, you know, ride out downturns because, you know, it's always going to come back. And that's one way to think about it. The other financial side of that is that you have something called opportunity costs, which we won't go into right now, but you can Google it and and learn a little bit about the concept. Um, We might do a podcast in the future about that always remember that capital gains are paper wealth. And I would argue that they're really not even there um, until you realize them. When people talk about this amount of trillions of dollars was wiped out in the stock market, it never really existed. It wasn't really there um, because if everybody went to try to grab it, it would disappear. Um, so it's really not there. It's a, it's a paper wealth. It's not tangible. I'm not saying it's not good. What I am saying though, is you have to be clear on when you're saying that you're making money, What is it that you actually have that you can put your hands on if you had to? That's the kind of thought process around the whole 401k in in the first place is that you're putting money away, hopefully in a tax deferred environment that can grow. And hopefully it's there when you're in the future when you need to use it. The big thing about that is you have no control over how the returns are gonna come to you. God forbid we get into a recession or depression at the time that you wanna retire and all those years that you had gains, could be potentially be in jeopardy and so again this isn't a capital gains are bad or good situation it's you having a clear understanding of what returns look like in your own portfolio and that's important the next thing to talk about would be income and income is kind of self-explanatory but let's just kind of talk about it in a little different kind of context if we think about it from the standpoint of let's just say stocks so when a stock pays a dividend irrespective of its price action The dividend that you receive, if you get it, is real. You can spend it, it's tangible, you can go pay bills with it, you can buy groceries with it, and so it's there. Um, And it's one way that you can be sure that what you own is actually doing something for you. Now, is all income holy grail? Not necessarily. I personally tend to be an income investor, um, and that's based upon certain assets that we use. In the end, an income income that you receive from an, from an investment is tangible, and you can spend it. We take it like I'm a f- big fan of real estate, the I- income producing real estate specifically, and that income we can spend. We can decide to either put it back down on the mortgage, we can spend it, we can save it, we can do what it is we want. Um, but it is tangible. So irrespective of what a particular apartment or a house or a farm's pricing are or hotel's price is on any given day, What we're focusing heavily on is making sure that we have income streams that if they don't start immediately are planning to be started in the next couple of years. And so that's kind of how we look at it. So we're always sure that we are making something from our money because philosophically, we just believe that there's no point in working as hard as we work to not enjoy the fruits of our labor. And in my world, laboring for all the income that you have is what I like to call single point failure. Now, of course, we should all have disability income, so we should ensure our income. But if your only source of income is your labor, your ability to increase your lifestyle, your ability to increase your material well-being, your ability to give, your ability to help others, is always gonna be tied to your ability to labor. In many ways, we just don't think that that's necessarily the the best way to live. Now, Um, again, I'm not really into getting into debates one way or the other. That's how we live. That's kind of on the path to wealth. That's kind of what we focus on. There are more than enough other resources out there, especially for physicians, that can help you kind of do the traditional kind of 401k, IRA, those kinds of things. Um, But it's just not something that we ourselves tend to spend a lot of time on um, because it's just not how we want to allocate our capital. And what we're looking to do is to help people who feel the same way, uh, who, who feel that, that there are other ways that they may want to invest in addition to doing um, some of the more traditional things. And so that's why we exist, is to let people know that they're not alone out there in their thought process that, hey, I might want a little bit more control and intentionality around the things that I invest in. And that's what we're here to do. Um, for us, it's really about educating people on their money and making sure that people are able to take control and have a good sense of agency over their own incomes uh, and investments. Uh, I think that we, in many ways, get psyched out in thinking that we're not smart enough, that we're not necessarily, quote-unquote, trained uh, in finances. But I would argue to you that the people that are the custodian of most of the money out there are just salespeople. They could not invest themselves. They could not make money themselves if it wasn't from taking a percentage of your own money. And that's just kind of how I feel. We want to be kind of a light in the darkness for those who realize that there are other ways that people invest, especially wealthy people. Um, It's very rare that you'll ever find a wealthy person talking about their 401k balances. It's just not something that is done um, because they just don't use them. Um, 401ks are, are a quirk in the tax code uh, for the middle class and for upper middle management to be able to sock away a little bit more money. It was never really designed uh, as a retirement vehicle, but again, that's for a different discussion. And so what we've done now is kind of walk through kind of rich versus wealth. We've talked about the different kinds of returns that you can get in investments, whether it be capital gains Mm -hmm. or income. And the next thing that we want to tackle, another big subject we're going to spend a lot of time on, on the path to wealth is taxes and why in terms of talking about investing are we going to sit here and talk about taxes? Well, what people don't realize is taxes are your biggest expense. Imagine if you could have one third to one half of all the taxes you've paid over the past three, five or 10 years, what a difference that would make in terms of your financial position in terms of the assets that you own. Just think about that. Well, there are ways that you can help to control your taxes um, just by the way that you invest. As a W-2 wage earner, if you're an employee, it can be a little bit difficult in terms of trying to um, mitigate some of your tax liabilities, Uh, but there are ways to do this. And we're gonna explore a lot of those subjects here on the path to wealth in terms of how you invest and where you put your money and the benefits that you get from doing that. And so one big thing that I don't think most people really understand about uh, the tax code is that it's really just a set of incentive structures. Um, that are put into place. And so I have a mentor who talks about that and he just says, basically, if you do what the government wants you to do, you can keep your taxes. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, our current president uh, boasts that he doesn't pay any taxes. Well, it's really not true. He doesn't pay federal income taxes uh, at all, but he pays a ton of state and local taxes, property taxes, um, sales taxes and those kinds of things in terms of his business. And so there's a principle there. And it's funny because the media never asks. well, how doesn't he do that? They always just make the assumption that somehow it's illegal or immoral or all these kinds of things, not understanding that it is perfectly legal. It's sitting there in black and white in the tax code and that anyone can do it if they decide to use their money and invest in the ways that the government wants you to. And so it's just, just look at taxes as, as an incentive structure. And once you learn what things the government wants you to do, just go do them. It's not that difficult, right? I mean, people want to make investing super hard or difficult. It's just not. Just follow what the tax code says and you'll do it. And so don't feel badly. We'll, we'll talk about it in, in, in subsequent podcasts, ways that you can do that. Lastly, in terms of um, big core concepts that we want to make sure that we get across to people uh, is that of asset protection, um, which I like to say is, is portfolio insurance. Uh, insurance from the lottery ticket, which is what many Americans think of in terms of how they're going to get rich. Uh, there's an anecdote that goes around that if you ask Americans how they're going to get rich, uh, suing someone is within the top three of ways that someone is going to get rich. The other way is a lottery. One other way is a lottery. So what we want to do is avoid becoming someone's meal ticket. As physicians, as high-earning professionals, dentists, and the like, we have a higher liability than the average person. Now, some may quibble back and forth as to what that liability actually is, what's the chances that we're going to we're going to have an issue. Well, I can tell you this on the physician side, 50% of us will get sued at some point in our career. All right? Now, whether or not us getting sued goes above our malpractice caps is a roll of the dice. You can talk to people that say anywhere from 1% to 5% of cases will blow through the caps and then we'll move on to... Um, looking at your personal assets and going after your personal assets. And what you have to understand is that's all trial attorneys want. They just want to get paid. And if they think that there is money behind kind of the insurance side of things, they're absolutely going to bring a case. Uh, But if they don't think there's any money behind that, the likelihood of them pursuing a case is much, much lower. Again, malpractice is not necessarily about justice. It's about people getting paid in many ways, shape, or form. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some people who are harmed. Um, there absolutely are people who are harmed, and there, sh- and there should be re- recompense for that. But if you look at the litigiousness of our society, um, the United States is by far and away the most litigious society uh, in the world. And we can just see in terms of all of the drug commercials and all of the medical device commercials that lawyers are running to get people to try to join kind of class action suits, that we're just in a society where people are trying to get rich quick. And what we don't want to do is us be the target of people getting rich quick. And so what, you know, what you have to realize about asset protection is it's just insurance. So just like we all have, we all really should have disability insurance. Uh, We should have life insurance if we have children. Uh, I would argue it should be term, uh, but you have to do what's best for your family. We have insurance on our homes, cars, things of that nature. This is what I just consider to be portfolio insurance as well. And this is a way to make sure that when people look at you, they're not seeing kind of a goose that can lay a golden egg uh, in many ways. And this doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Um, We have resources on our our site um, of asset protection firms that have thousands of physicians clients. And what people don't realize is a well-constructed asset protection um, structure can actually help to lower your taxes, which will then allow you to pay for doing this. Um, I know many of you may have reached out to either estate planning attorneys or asset protection attorneys, and they wanted to charge you an arm and a leg. Well, you know, I understand. I get it. Uh, it may, you know, you know, paying that upfront cost for insurance is, can be painful. What I like is that there are firms out there that can do it, and we've actually negotiated some, some pricing with, with the firm uh, to get a discount for physicians because uh, we can go there in bulk. Um, and if you, you go, to the, go to our website under resources, Um, under asset protection, um, there'll there'll be some information there for that. Uh, Because again, this is something that we did right out of residency. My wife is a physician as well. And so for those of us, especially in two physician households, you know, the liability now is doubled just out of the profession, not to mention just our everyday working and walking around or kids we may have as they become old enough to drive and those kinds of things. I hope this has given you a good overview of kind of the big topics that we're going to talk about on the path to wealth. Again, for us, We want to pull the curtain back from investments and asset protection and just ways of structuring your life that for far too long have been the purview of the wealthy or those who just are in the know. The laws that are in place that allow us to do all these things are there for everyone. Everyone can use them and take advantage of them. And in many ways, the government wants you to. They want us to use our resources To employ people, to house people, to feed people, to clothe people. So in many ways, if you do what the government wants you to do, which is not to necessarily hoard your money, put it away somewhere, put it under a mattress, but to have it out in the economy working, they will allow you to keep more dollars. And that's really the paradigm that we're going to talk about on the path to wealth is how do you move from a mindset of, what I would consider kind of a middle-class mindset to that of a wealthy mindset of how the wealthy kind of construct their portfolios to try to weather time. um, So that you have a legacy that you can pass down to your children, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren and leave money to charitable giving if you want to that will far surpass you and how long that you're, you're going to be alive. And so I want to thank you all for joining us on this inaugural kind of path to wealth podcast. Check out our resources page, where we do have the asset protection firm that that I've been a client of for nine plus years, Um, and also books that have helped us to really kind of understand some of these concepts that I touched on very briefly. We also have a Facebook group, um, The Physician's Road in Facebook. Just search it and and just add, and we'll we'll add you on, Um, as well as with this podcast, please go to iTunes or your uh, podcast platform of choice and subscribe. Now, if you go to thephysiciansroad.com, there are many places you can subscribe there. You can go to the episodes tab um, and and subscribe there. But uh, whatever your podcast platform is, please subscribe so that you can get the resources as we put them out. And so I want to thank you all again for joining us today on the Path to Wealth, and we'll see you later on The
0: Physician's Road. The Physician's Road is brought to you by Vernonville Asset Management. Vernonville Asset Management was created to help physicians build wealth and create income beyond Wall Street. Through our exclusive private investments, doctors can begin to free themselves from the burdensome regulations in healthcare by creating income streams independent of medicine. Go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get your free report, Wall Street's Biggest Lie. Again, go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get Wall Street's Biggest Lie and yourself today.
1: Thank you for listening to the Physicians Road where you create your life in medicine on your own terms. please go to thephysiciansroad.com and sign up for your free guides and resources.